HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This piece was brought to you by Roberta's, robertaspizza.com. This week on a special bonus episode of Meat in 3, we find out why the bacon, egg, and cheese, that classic bodega sandwich, is popping up on menus of New York's trendiest restaurants. We did a few iterations of it, and I was trying to fancify it. We tried the sausage, egg, and cheese, and then we tried to put charmoula sauce on it. We used feta cheese, and we're just like taking ingredients of the Mediterranean, if you will, and try to infuse it. But uh, for me, it was like a car wreck. Tune in to hear about the wild journey of the bacon, egg, and cheese, from deli to fine dining, on Meat and 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to HRN Happy Hour. It's 5 o'clock somewhere, and somewhere is... Bushwick. Bushwick! We're back! What up, Bushwick? We're back in Bushwick! It's uh, been really fun being in Sunset Park, Industry City, but so glad to be back in the home studio. Sweet home. Wood panels, boars, the sweet, sweet smell of cheeses from Switzerland. Mm. <laughs> I'm Kat Johnson, the communications director here at Heritage Radio Network, and I'm here with my co host, Katie Mosman Wadler. Hey, Kat. Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday. And Hannah Forden. Shalom Bushwick. I'm just so happy to be here. <laughs> We're down one Alana Glazer, but up oh one God. Bushwick. And, I, and my, I'm not even having a good hair day today. We're down two <laughs> Alana Glazers. <laughs> but I have a feeling that what we need to feel better is sitting right in front of it's us. It's right in front of us. We've got cheese. The answer has been here all We've along. We've got cider. But we'll get to that. Hold on a minute. Thanks to Amanda Wang our engineer. Hi. Hi. <laughs> um, we're so happy to be back in the studio with you, Amanda. I know. I took that one week off. That yeah, one no. week it off. Little, it was a little bit weird. Well, yeah. you were away and we were away and it's just been a while. It's nice to have you back. Thank you. Likewise. We also have our other glorious team member, Liza Ham, in the studio with us. What a rare treat. Hello. Thank you. <laughs> it feels rare, and it feels like a complete treat. It's I about to get agree. rarer. <laughs> couldn't agree more. Um, our guest today, I mean, wow. Wow. This is the third year in a row that we've had the lovely Allison Lacey in the studio with us, bringing us some cheese. Yay! Yay. Good to be back. So happy. We also have, returning to the studio, Dan Pucci, cider aficionado. Happy to be back as well. It's awesome. Is that the right title for you? I have no idea. <laughs> Me either. Uh, Sir but, like, Dan Pucci. International man of cider. <laughs> Sir Dan Pucci. Yes. Yeah, as yes. you wish. <laughs> as you wish. <laughs> Thank you for that reference. Um, Tom boy. We also have the amazing, amazing Sarah Flynn from Yellow Magnolia Restaurant, and we're going to talk about our gala in just a minute, but welcome, Sarah. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me. So stoked. We also have Amy Curry. Hi. Friend of the network. Hi. Hi. So happy to be here. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. That's that's everyone, right? Did I miss anybody? We're Is anyone all here? hiding. 
<laughs> Somebody Some, under the table. Someone's in the new uh, bar that Souther built for us with glass <gasps> glass doors. Nice. Whoa, we're does real he, fancy now. Did he build it? Brought, brought, brought. Installed. I was, I was like, is he a woodworker as well as a cocktail <laughs> genius? In all his free Matt time. was the one who installed that. I helped. So. I helped. Wow. Well, it's a big improvement over the pile of alcohol that used to be sitting on a like DJ it's coffin gorgeous. case in the back of the studio. We're growing up so fast. I know. <laughs> College is over. Oh, oh. ten okay. years old. Um, I know. Okay. Well, we're gonna get to the cheese and the cider in just a moment. Um, it smells amazing in here. If there was only smell a radio, you guys I would know. understand. Um, but first, we have a few headlines we want to share with you. Wait. First, let's do some he- some announcements. We gotta talk about the gala. Yes. The gala is right around the corner, guys. November eleventh. Ah! Sarah, how are you feeling about the gala? I'm pretty excited. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. We to are so excited, and we're so excited to taste. Do you, can you tease what you're gonna be cooking up for the gala? Sure. Um, I'm still playing with it a little bit because this is really one of the fun opportunities for us to play. Um, but I'm doing a vegan risotto, essentially, but mm. a play on, like, a cacho e pepe mm. served <gasps> out of a Parmesan wheel, except it's going to be out of a gourd. Yes! Um, so it's going to be grains. Uh, I just ordered some purple barley, which is, I don't know. We're about to find I didn't know out. that was a thing. So I, me neither. And then my kitchen manager and line cook at the cafe was like, could we try this? And I was like, sure we can. And... So that's part of part of the reason why I'm still a little vague because it arrives tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> our purveyors didn't have it, so Amazon is the for the win. Cool. And, uh, okay. <laughs> so we're gonna play with it. I don't know if it's gonna end up just being like barley that looks black, you know what I mean, or like forbidden rice, yeah. or if it's gonna actually be really cool. I love forbidden rice, so I'm me very into this idea. Uh, me too. Mm-hmm. I, and I think it'll be really cool. Now, if it, we'll see what we play, and then we'll we'll figure it out. Uh, and then we're gonna do. Um, a zucchini blossom cream, essentially for finishing the risotto, and some traditional yeast, and some squash, and filling, etc. And it should be essentially just as good as a regular risotto. And ambitiously, I would like to serve it out of mini hollowed out pumpkins. Yes. You're a goddess. Are you, are you <laughs> yeah, so Wait, one, like, let's not bite off too much. Like, <laughs> should it be like one per person? Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. I did this I once. still have to convince my butcher to help me do it. Yeah. Um, okay, I did this once. I made 40 little pumpkins yeah. with soup in them, but my downfall was I decided to, like, roast them all inside of no. the grill. No, no. That I don't recommend. No, that. I think they have to stay, quite frankly, raw, mm-hmm. and they actually need a day or two to dry out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So a couple of years ago, actually, <laughs> my old sous chef, who actually used to work here, Ryan Keelan, was like, are we going to hollow out pumpkins like your mom made us do for Thanksgiving <laughs> or like 10 years ago? And I was like, we are. And you just signed yourself up for a job. So get ready so you for weren't sufficiently carton. scarred from Thanksgiving to have I am. I just or... decided I'm, this time I'm going to use it to my own advantage as opposed to, my mother also, meanwhile, had us hollow out like 50 pumpkins via our catering company for her. And then decided she wasn't going to use them. No! Oh. I swear my life. Oh, my God. No, these are redemption pumpkins. No, no, these are redemption pumpkins. Oh, so my God. We'll see. Oh I, look, 200 is a lot, but I think we're going to oh. knock it out. Oh, my darling. I have like it's 70. 300. Yeah. <laughs> no, you can do 200, though. I was going to say, and the hollowed cord idea just went out <laughs> yeah. the so Not everyone has to have no. a pumpkin. Only right. the first 50 VIP yeah. guests. VIP yes. hour gets, yeah. Yeah. Their, gets their pumpkin. This is the and then everybody else gets tickets. like a regular. Yeah. Or cute. email us at info at heritageradionetwork.org if you would like to volunteer to empty was, out some squash. I was just about to say, if you guys can <laughs> rustle up the manpower to do it, we're done. Like, yeah. you, everybody gets pumpkins. I mean, um, in all seriousness, we do have an army of volunteers, so you know to hit us up for them, right? I mean, I do now. Okay, yeah. I think it's going to happen. I'm pretty excited, guys. Uh... This is excellent because this would make my idea execute more smoothly. It's amazing. So if you want to find out if Chef Sarah Flynn hollows out 300 pumpkins. 200, 200. Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash gala. Get your tickets. In addition to all of the delicious things we just talked about, we're going to have um, 12 other amazing chef stations. We will have special cocktails from Damon Bolsey and Southern Teak and Dave Arnold. We're going to have <laughs> and cider. And another guy. And uh, who, what's his name? Uh, Dave and- Arnold's Juice Bar. <laughs> He's making gin and juice and mezcal and juice. That's all I got out of him. <laughs> Dave Arnold's Juice Bar. <laughs> Had me a gin and juice. So, like, yeah. we're good. Sounds great. Yeah, class act. Um, we got wine. We got cider. 
we got, got beer. beer. We got natural wine. We got uh, so other much cheese without alcohol. Cheese. Yeah. We have so much cheese. I'm really in it. So much cheese. meat. Allison, tell us about the cheese. Right now or yeah. at the party? Wait, the party. The party cheese or the cheese in front <laughs> party of us? Cheese. We're doing party cheese. Party cheese. Right? Party yeah. Cheese. Yeah. So, I mean, you just emailed me. You're like, you need cheese. I'm like, let's do raclette. I'm yes. Like, let's do it. Nice and showy. I was yeah. like, can you help us? You're like, I will man the grill. And I, I was mean, like, that's what I love to hear. I love raclette so much. I had it at my baby shower. Like, yes, we had a theme, the rattles and raclette. It was just like. Oh, <laughs> is. And you got to have the big grill, so we'll have the big grill out. Um, we're going to be scraping on bread, I presume. From Colson Batisserie. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so we'll get some nice bubbly cheese over your bread. Oh, my God, it just sounds so wonderful already. Yes, yeah, the... nice Emmy raclette will be at the party. I'll be there. Come come see me. And I will be at the raclette station if anyone needs me. <laughs> yeah, she's like, <laughs> bye, pumpkins. <laughs> Literally, good luck, guys. Someone um, deal you know what us. would be so cool would be you could fill up a pumpkin with raclette. I, I may have station. to do it. That's the after party. I think we can probably place these next to each other. I think uh, that would be sure. really We've awesome. We've done fondue everything. and pumpkins, too. Ooh. Ooh. I'm into it. I'm honestly just in it for the cheese. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also just love, like, the last time that we had a meeting with you, Allison, the meeting involved, like, the first step is putting some raclette on some potato chips, and then we can talk. But, like... <laughs> Whew. I know, it's like we really, you know, stressful starts. So, I know. It's too good. It's, it got hot in here. All good things <laughs> must start with cheese. Um, and we have, you know, we obviously food and drink, but like also it's going to be just absurdly fun. We have a lot of like fun activities this year at the gala. Also, all the Hall of Famers will be there. So if there's anybody on our list you want to meet, um, which should be all of them come. <laughs> it's going to be so beautiful. And this space, even you know, it's the most beautiful room. One final space. thing I want to tease is that um, Katie, Hannah, and I just locked in a really big celebrity to attend. And we can't tell anybody who he is, but he's going to be available for photo ops all night long. And so you're going to want to come to the gala to get your photo taken with um, maybe the biggest celebrity in HRN's history. Probably. That's all I'm going to say. I'd say he's been on more shows on the network than anyone else. That's fair. Right? That's fair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Not an easy feat. He's a man of few words, but man, is he uh, prolific. Okay. He's got a face for radio. <laughs> he does. Okay. <laughs> Too many hints. <laughs> <laughs> That's your teaser. We're going to have to like ex- take an excerpt of that and like blast it everywhere. Um, okay. One other thing I wanted to announce is that this weekend is raw wine. Um Sunday and Monday, the Raw Wine Fair is taking place in Bushwick, and we are partnering once again to help them produce the Speaker's Corner. Um, our very own Sam Ben Ruby is going to be doing two of those interviews at the Speaker's Corner at Raw Wine on Monday, October 28th. So if you're at Raw, come and see us. And then if you can't make it to Raw Wine in Brooklyn, we are going to have all those Speaker's Corners panels and interviews recorded for you to listen to later. You should come to Raw. I'm just saying. Come it's really fun. Okay. okay. Headlines? Headlines. We have a few, and then we're going to get to the cheese of it. <laughs> Food policy! United States Secretary of Agriculture Sonny Perdue recently made a lot of farmers angry. At a time when small dairy farms were going out of business at unprecedented rates and small farms producing other crops are also struggling, Purdue made a comment that suggested the situation was par for the course. He said, in America, the big get bigger and the small go out. Bye, Sunny. Tune into episode 376 of the Farm Report to learn about the current challenges faced by American small farmers um, and see what that really looks like and how to help small farms survive. And for more food policy news, What Doesn't Kill You, episode 296 has the scoop on the lobbying group you've never heard of. ILSI is a secretive group that is deployed by major food companies to push their agenda in legislative matters. And on Eating Matters, episode 145, Mark Winnie, hope I said that right, joins host Jenna Liu to discuss his new book, Food Town USA, Seven Unlikely Cities That Are Changing the Way We Eat. Um, That's where he features the inspiring work that people across the country are doing to leverage the power of healthy and sustainable food to revitalize communities ravaged by disappearing industries and histories of inequity. That sounds absolutely fantastic and we talk a lot about how food should be healing the world and it's not it's 
And it's not. And there's work to be done. <laughs> Let's just say that. Let's just say that. Um, okay, well, I'm feeling like food's healing me a little bit right now. Um, mm-hmm. So, Allison, can you tell us about the cheese that you brought with you today? And, I mean, wow, oh, wow, did you set it up in a beautiful way. Oh, and how do we want to talk about the cider? Should we do cider and cheese, like, pairings together? Did or you guys we coordinate? Go one by one? We did not. Let's do cheese, and let's do cider. Let's do live pairings. You tell us a cheese, Dan tells us a cider. This is a choose-your-own-adventure type of activity right now. Um, So just a basic overview of the cheeses that we have here. So the majority of our cheeses on the table here are from our 22-million-year-old Kalpak Cave. Yes, that's right. 22 million years old. Ow! Um, And the cheese hasn't been in there for 22 million years, but it is the perfect environment for cheese to age because it's a natural place. There's the perfect humidity, perfect temperature. There's water and drippings. It's just a gorgeous place. And the microflora that happens in this cave is imparting itself on the cheese as it ages. So what we have here is a 12-month Gruyere, a 12-month Emmentaler, and our brand new baby, the Kaltbach Gouda. So it's a it's Swiss so Gouda. Gouda. It's so Gouda. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the Gouda. It's got a beautiful black patina on it. Um, patina? Patina. Yeah. yeah, just, <laughs> hey, throw it out there. Um, and this coloration, it really is just from the cave. And um, the cheeses, they kind of work together in the wow. in the cave, like the... The Gruyere microbes talk to the Emmentaler and vice versa, so they're all kind of um, very unique to this cave environment. Hang on, I gotta stop you right there. I thought that was waxed. No, there's not. That's not wax on it. It's it's opaque for for our listeners at home. We'll put a picture up, but um, <laughs> this cheese is, I mean, it is opaque and shiny, and it looks like it's been dipped in black. Cheese no, but that's no, no, all no. from aging. There's the might be a little bit of food plast on it just to kind of stabilize it, right. but no, no it's that's beautiful. the actual color of the wow. yep. That is so cool. Very so, how long cool. does it take to get that color? About three months. That's it. Yep. Wow. It's uh, three months with our cheese facility, and then another three months in the cave, and then boom, it's black. Wow, wow it's amazing. Blew my that's mind. pretty awesome. Yeah. I would have never guessed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But some of the callback cheeses do not turn black. Um, so here's what I just found out recently. So the Emmentaler, um, whatever the bacteria or the makeup in the Emmentaler is really responsible for colorizing all of the other cheeses that are in there. Huh. So that's why it's important to save Emmentaler. Make sure you buy Emmentaler because if we run out of Emmentaler cheese, then we're going to have some color problems across the board. Should we eat them to save them? Yes, eat yeah. Emmentaler. Um, not only for our Kalpak cave, but for the dairy farmers and everyone else out there. Gotta support the Emmentaler. Um, but anyway. Okay, sorry. Um, sorry for so, it to really... But Gruyere, by the, the Gruyere um, cheese, they actually take some of the black off of it. It's kind of a rule from the interprofession, so they just kind of want it to remain a certain color. But our other cheese, which is in here, Cremeau, that's also a dark uh, brown color. Um... And for just from whatever reasons, you know, we, you know, some cheeses react differently, but the Gouda just took to the color. So interesting. Yeah. Um, and then the last guy on the table is a classic, the Tête de Mon. Mm-hmm. Oh, showstopper. Um, showstopper. So underappreciated, so underutilized, I feel like, in our market. Um, cheesemongers, if you're listening, order some Tête for the holidays. Um, it's the cheese that you just put on the girol, you curl it, you make these beautiful little florets. You just put it on the girol. Can you explain that, please? <laughs> I just put it on one of our catering stations, because uh, it's just so <laughs> Oh, yay! So it's happening. Uh. The girol, it's um, a curler, essentially. Um, the tetemon is a two-pound cylinder, and you place it on this wooden platform, and there's a scraper at the top of it, and you just turn the scraper, and it scrapes off to make this little flower. Um, Tetamon is a stinky one. It's a it's an intense cheese, so by aerating it, you're kind of introducing a whole new element to it and just making it a little bit, just a little easier to kind of manage, I think. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and it's just pretty. It can be put on salads or on little um, bruschettas or anything like that. Um, it's just, it's perfect. It's perfect holiday cheese. 
And there's like a little skill to getting it to make that perfect flower with it the girol. Can you explain oh sort of your God. pro tips? And sometimes, you know, I leave out the girol at parties and I come back to it. I'm like, what happened? They think they're supposed to like slice it. Or oh it's God. just like, oh. um, it's like so hacked up. I'm like, oh no, I should have had instructions. Um, <laughs> but it's just kind of like a, a pressure and a quick turn. Um, it's kind of like you don't want to push down too hard because then you're going to get this like clumpy, chunky slice of cheese. So it's kind of like a gentle pressure with quick, um, quick motion around. It's sort of like the hand crank ice cream churner. If, like the Cuisinart that you scrape like a little bit of yes. frozen stuff off the yes. side at a time and you have to kind of keep it going and like I feel like that thin layer of ice cream that you scrape off is about like that layer of cheese that you're trying to get totally with this totally. guy too it's, it's, it takes but a little practice but yeah. we should have like <laughs> we should have like a Tetamon competition like who can make the best floor flowers. longest longest Ooh, curls I'm in longest oh, curls longest curls you can do different categories yeah this oh. has legs um <laughs> alright Dan Tell us about these ciders. You brought some really interesting yeah, stuff. Yeah, I brought a pretty big diversity of ciders today. Um, kind of, I just kind of went through and paired them all just now. So Can we can we do like a guided tasting? I mean, I'm just asking for a friend. Yeah. Can we do a tasting pairing of sure, cheese sure, sure. and cider while you talk about the ciders? So, um, yeah. So I, I kind of paired the cheeses and ciders just now. And then they work pretty well. Um, I'm going to start with the uh, Gruyere because I think the cider makes the most sense. Um we are drinking the Rose Hill Cherry Cider. This is a new producer up in the Hudson Valley. Uh, it's all native yeast, no sulfur, very natural wine style of cider. Um, it's culinary apples and a variety of sweet and sour cherries from 2018. And it's kind of like, it's very um, baking spices and things like that. Uh, and it's really great with it. Quick question, Dan. Yeah. Why would you want to use culinary apples in a mix with cherries? Um, I, I would think you'd want to go more bitter. You could, you could. I think that this one has enough. Um, the cherries, they have a little bit of pit in them too, as well. So mm -hmm. they end up being kind of bitter. Okay. Um, but at the same time, I think they offer that nice bit of fruit and aromatics because these cherries are not particularly very sweet cherries. That most of them are, are balatone sour cherries. They end up being very like pretty austere and tart. And okay. um, it's showing less so today. When I had a cider last week. It was very like. Tasted like cloves and allspice, and it was, it was really interesting. Mm. And I think it's nice with the with the, the, the Gruyere. Um, the next one I did was with the the Gouda. Um, I think this is the um, floral terrain from Long Island. This is the Outwash Out, Outlands from last year. It's a blend of forged apples from Long Island. Um, Hold on, I still have a little of the pink. Wait, I, I need to get a bite of Gruyere to go with this. Oh, I just stepped on it. There we go. Thanks, logistics. Yeah. There's right. a lot of logistics involved in really this tasting. Hungry. You want to do yeah, that? Yeah, sure. I'll take um, a bit of that. This is the Floral Terrains. This is a really cool cider from Long Island. It's all forage apples. Um, it has this really kind of cool kind of light aromatic bitter flavors to it as well. And kind of like a lot of like herbs and uh, dried fruits, oregano and stuff like that. And I think it works well with the kind of dried fruits and herbs of the Gouda as well. I think they kind of pair really well together. Um, then we did. I brought a can of Shillings from the West Coast. This is a Seattle producer. This is an oak cider. Uh, it has a pretty good amount of sweetness to it still. And it's very like, um, it kind of has very much more like very American oak sweet flavors to it. I think it's really good with kind of the sweet flavors in the Emmentaler. Um, so I kind of paired those things together. And then with the uh, the Funk and the uh, Tete Moine, I paired it with uh, Ancho's Commonwealth Cider. Ancho's a, a really awesome cidery uh, in D.C., um, they use apples from all over the country and all over the world to make some really unique ciders in really unique ways. Um, this cider is called Commonwealth. Uh, these are all apples from Virginia, mostly from the Shenandoah and um, Nelson County in southern Virginia, along the Appala Appala Appalachian Mountains. Um, this is a blend of Gold Rush, which is a pretty modern culinary variety. It's a very high sugar variety. It's very like, um, as an apple, it's one of the last to ripen of the year um like here in new york it ripens in like almost near thanksgiving mm. um it's a pretty it was only released commercially in the late 90s so it's a pretty recent in terms of apples wise but it's a really fun performance for cider making especially in virginia and the other variety in this is called harrison so it has a lush fruit from the gold rush and the harrison is a really actually a really amazing variety it's a variety 
Uh, originally from New Jersey. It's actually from Newark, New Jersey, originally. Really? Yeah, Newark, wow. New, Newark, New Jersey used to be the like centralized, uh, was one of the few places in the country that made cider on a commercial scale uh, in the United States, like oh, yeah. at a large scale. That's a wild scale. one. That's that so you. crazy because we <laughs> did the whole series Newtown. about the Newtown Pippin with you. Yeah. Because the Newtown Pippin apple originated very close to our studios here yeah. in Bushwick. And so I didn't know there was another super important cider apple company yeah. in Newark. That's so, so cool. Newark used to be, in the 19th, early 19th century, was very much, it was all apple <laughs> orchards. Um, like you call it the orange, it's called the oranges below like the mountains outside of Newark. And it was all orchards at one point in time. Right, and funny. it was, um, it, they basically grew four different varieties that were controlled by, by, that each family had different variety that they grew. And Newark cider was something that would export around the country. So you see, you see ads of it, especially in the Southeast mm. Um, in like North Carolina, even in California, are people selling like champagne-style cider that's newer, that's from Newark, New Jersey, but being sold off ships in San Francisco and places like that that's in wild. like the Gold Rush. I mean, cool. So, but that variety when it was basically was lost, uh, and it was rediscovered in the 1970s by a guy named Paul Gadiz, uh Discovered it. He's a horticulturalist, apple guy from Vermont. And it's somehow, yada, 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 things happened. He identified it. It's kind of contentious history in terms of the claimings of how it has all happened. Uh, but anyway, a guy named Tom Burford, who was, the, was a really important guy in terms of Apples of Monticello. He wrote a book called Apples of, of, the, of the South. That's um, called Apples of North America, something that's mostly about Southern apples. Um, and he promoted it very heavily amongst uh, orchards and cider producers uh, throughout the Southeast United States. So it's grown commercially there today, and it's a really amazing, cool, bitter, sharp variety that's grown at scale here in the United States. It's it's grown a little bit in New Jersey now, but it's mostly in New, commercially it's mostly found in um, Virginia. Hmm. It's is, a really cool cider. I'm oh, sorry, Kat, did you have a question? You go ahead. I I want to know, Dan, is Virginia having a cider renaissance, or has it been going on? It's a it's the same know, the same like, as New York okay. in terms of its its journey. Um, there's a lot of new producers happening in Virginia. Most of them around are around Charlottesville. They kind of tag on to the, the wine tourism around Charlottesville, Charlottesville Virginia. Mm -hmm. um, but there's a pretty rich apple history on both sides of the Blue Ridge Mountains. Um, in like Albemarle and Nelson County, a lot of apple, apple orchards. And then on the other side, in the Shenandoah, is a lot of um, golden delicious and things that they grow for um, a lot of big commercial juice plants in Winchester, Virginia that have people are now investing more into making cider out of those things because no one drinks apple juice anymore. So apple juice. <laughs> Except for Sarah. Every now and then. <laughs> so Hannah and I have been doing a lot of uh, cider-related things lately. We're working on a, a cider project. <laughs> You'll hear about it soon. Um, and <clears throat> we've heard sort of two, I think, narratives, and I'm not sure. Like, I just want to get your thoughts on them. One is that sort of chance seedlings and like rediscovering these apples is sort of like the frontier of cider. But then the other side of it, we were at Cornell and it's like, oh, we're, we're going to make these new hybrids and we're going to sort of invent new apples. And that's the frontier of cider. Mm. What do you think? Like It's a, both, a bit of both. There's no like one cider narrative for the United States. There's a multitude of many narratives for how people adapt and do things. Um, in the Northwest, especially in the Puget Sound, they do really well with a lot of the English varieties, uh, like Dabinet and Major, um, don't do so well. They grow fine here in the Northeast. People do them, but not really well, as well as they used to do with the, in, on the Pacific Northwest. Because those apples are from a pretty wet maritime climate along the coast of England and France. And it's the same climate you're going to find over in the, in the Northwest. Um, but so every part of the country has different things. So you talk to people down like in Virginia or in Arizona and it's not necessarily the same path that's going to make sense for us at Cornell. It's not going to make sense for people in around the country. So it's, many, it's not one reason to how we're going to do this thing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's not just like, because there is that Cornell research trying to find new varieties and graft and, and breed and find yeah. things. And people are also just trying to sort through Mother, Mother Nature's work and mm -hmm. figuring what's already out there, what might exist out there, what could exist out there. There's a lot of really cool seedling projects happening where people are cultivating seedlings and seeing what is works in their environment. Um, and some of those varieties are now commercially viable. Like you can buy um, through the Fedco catalog, which is a amazing Maine heritage yeah. 
I spent four hours with the Fedco tree catalog yesterday. It's an amazing thing. <laughs> but, but, but now Fedco offers about um, a dozen or, not a dozen, but like six or seven different, um, different uh, seedling trees through their catalog. You can, you can get Bitter Pew and Gnarled Chapman, which are all varieties there from the Northeast here that were, were a really good cider varieties, but are, uh, but work well here in the Northeast. They're not, they're not going to have the same issues and problems that you might find. They grow more like wild trees and pretty hardy, resilient, rather than mm -hmm. trying to grow a cultivated variety. Yeah, if you've ever tried to grow a thing in Maine, you know uh, it's not the easiest. Yeah, so the, <laughs> the, these things these things work and they're tested, uh, and they're very good varieties, both as a grower and as a fermenter and a drinker. They have um, also, this year I think, expanded into more peri pears. Yeah. Which is cool. They're like identifying, um, you know, which pears are particularly good for peri, and they have a huge crab apple section. It's crazy. I, I mean, I really like, I just read the thing cover to cover. It's an amazing catalog. Green. Yeah, it was so good. Yeah, uh, it's an amazing catalog. I, I spent a weekend at John Bunker, who organ, helped organize the apple section of that, and it's the most, it's an enchanting thing to read. <laughs> Um, I'm always fascinated by just like how cool apple names are, mm -hmm. um, and I want to ask a question, but then I'm going to throw it a break because I think it's going to require some thought. Is if you got to name a new apple varietal, <laughs> what would you name it? And this is a question for everybody, uh, not just Dan. Exactly. So let's go to a break, and we're going to come back and talk apple varietals. We're going to talk about the events you guys have coming up. Talk to Sarah some more about Yellow Magnolia Cafe, and uh, and then we're going to play some trivia. So. Hold on, we'll be right back. Great. Join Heritage Radio Network on Monday, November 11th for a raucous feast to toast a decade of food radio. Our 10th anniversary Bacchanal is a rare gathering of your favorite chefs, mixologists, storytellers, thought leaders, and culinary masterminds. We'll salute the inductees of the newly minted HRN Hall of Fame, who embody our mission to further equity, sustainability, and deliciousness. Join us to explore the beautiful Palm House and Yellow Magnolia Cafe at the Brooklyn Botanic Garden, where you'll taste and imbibe to your heart's content and bid on once-in-a-lifetime experiences and tasty gifts for any budget at our silent auction. Join the party. Tickets are available now at heritageradionetwork.org gala. My name is Brandon Hoy, co-owner of Roberta's, a super-duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. Thank you, Roberta's. We're back with HR and Happy Hour. So before the break, I said, let's come up with a what you would name your apple varietal. I was going to leave it super open-ended and just, like, get creative with it. But Hannah pointed out we should play a game with it, and we should... Uh, I just really like structure. I was going to say, we need a framework. Uh, like, I need... Uh, yes. <laughs> The framework we came up with was the stripper name equivalent of apples. Yes. I'm into it. So we decided we decided that it would be a street you have lived on and your favorite color. That would, your that combination would be the name of your apple hybrid or chance seedling you discovered. So who wants to start? I'll Dan, go first. Mine. Dan, you? <laughs> it's like Dan looks Dan, ready. I, I, I thought of mine. I'm already ready, too. Ready. Like, <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's, it's sawmill orange. That's a oh, great that's a apple name. Are you it sure is that's not already an apple? Dan Pucci. <laughs> well, it's also like oh, sort good. of encroaching on mine, too, which is Trademark. Amsterdam Yellow. Um, <laughs> oh, good. It's pretty good, right? Also, Yellow Magnolia Cafe. I just saw that one, too. <laughs> yellow is actually my favorite color. Uh, not to wear. Not just, to wear? No. And I don't, just observe? I look, yes, exactly. It's to like color. be immersed in, if you will. I look terrible in yellow. I'm just also laughing because somebody just walked by to have their seat at Roberta's and just looked so jealously at our spread. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Can't have uh, it. Mine's, mine's the Ponis Chartreuse. Oh. Are you fancy? Ooh. Wow. Mine is Gina Rose Gold. Ooh. <laughs> Could I'm also be a, like a silent movies actress. Yeah. Uh, Hannah? 
See, I, I moved a lot as, when I was growing up, so I'm trying to pick, like, the quaintest street I lived on. I think um, <laughs> Cotakill Mustard. Oh, That's wow. Good. I'm also allergic to apples, as we were discussing <laughs> earlier. So my um, apple breed apples, is uh, itchy mouth. <laughs> you could go very bold and find a very non-quaint yes. name as well. Yeah, it's, called, okay. it's called hives. Yeah. <laughs> okay, lean, lean in. Okay. Amy has one. Okay, so mine is Linden Magenta. Ooh, Ooh that's, that's a good, good. one. Yeah. Fancy. <laughs> I think mine would be um, Colby Sienna. That sounds oh, yeah. like a like an indie singer, though. Yeah. Yeah. Can I might also work as a yes. Stream name too. Can you introduce yourself too? Yeah. Hi. We have new we have newcomers <laughs> to this show. Hello. Uh, I'm Ella. I'm Ruby's sister. I, Ruby's one of our interns. <laughs> I'm the intern sister. Um, I didn't know what this was, and I'm pleasantly surprised. <laughs> <laughs> Learning so much about cheese. Um, Ruby and I grew up on the same block, so it would probably be Henry, and then Teal. I don't know. I'm going to go with Pinehurst Indigo, because that was our second Oh, I forgot about Pinehurst. (laughs) We now live on Pinehurst. Now I'm boring, but whatever. I feel like we should continue this and, like, start, like, a Twitter trend. Yeah. Yeah. We also have have another naming thread, which is, what is Baby Gill's podcast? If anybody saw the really sweet picture of Michael Harlan Turkel with his new 10-week-old baby Gill. He has his little headphones on in the picture in the studio. It's like really cute. I had like an idea. We have to name. Ones. We have to name the baby podcast. I had an idea. If you wanted to, if we wanted Gil to have a podcast about like Brooklyn and like New York food, it could be called Gil Filter Fish. That's a good name. Gil's Filterfish. Gil's Gil Strong, strong name. I, I put my vote in for the burp report because that's the all he burp. was doing when he was here was my like, little <laughs> tiny baby burps. You know how difficult it is to get a baby to burp. Gil was a champ. Yeah. Yeah. Some babies, man. Uh, yeah. Apparently not I mean, all babies. Katie. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bucci, you have a new baby. Yeah, she's like uh, 15 weeks now. Well, how's her burping? How's her burping? Uh, it burps uh, pretty well. Oh, man, it's just mine. Strong she burps, she burps strong pretty burper. strong, yeah. The burp report. I think we just did. We I just can do an did hour and a half of that. I'm no pretty problem. sure that just happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Give me enough cider and cheese. I'm on it. <laughs> yeah. um, okay. So, Allison and Dan, tell us about the events that you have coming up that involve all this amazing cheese and cider. Sure. Sure. Yeah. We're starting some Star Chefs events next week. Star Chefs is an industry event. Um, so it's the International Chefs Conference. So it's meant to be like an international symposium. Um, from chefs and food industry people from all around the world, all around the country. Um, and they come to this conference. There's um, some great conferences, and then there's the Products Fair, which um, Emmy Cheese will be at. And then as a sponsor, we get to do cool events um, with Dan and mm-hmm. other fun seminars and um, tastings. So, um, yeah, Dan is going to work with us. So, Dan, you want to Yeah, we have a bunch of cool um, – so we have Cocktail Night on the floor, and we have this really awesome – on we have a really awesome thing we're working with um uh, uh we're doing this awesome about on tuesday which is going to be about like pairing cider with food and cider with cheeses um and cider with food of food of cheese in it and cider so it's gonna be this whole <laughs> this whole big thing it's gonna be pretty awesome uh and kind what of talking about cheese in it are you showcasing just out of curiosity what what food with cheese it's be in a, it cheese, are you? it's gonna be a salad and it can be a porchetta as well. Ooh. They both have uh, the Tell Greer us about the incorporation of the cheese. Yeah. I'm not the one making the food Talk more about that. You roll it up, <laughs> you cook it, and then it's got cheese in it. Is the cheese in the rolled up parts of the porchetta? I think it is in the rolled up yeah. parts. I, I don't know. Yeah. Like, we're going to be surprised. The chef doing the food, and we're not doing the food. You know, it's like one of those things where you <laughs> just, I just <laughs> sent the cheese to the chef, and I was just like, you just do your magic. Yeah, have fun. I'm not going to get involved. I'm going to be surprised. So we're doing... Uh, I think those are both with the Gruyere. And then we have uh, the Tetamoine and the new Gouda um, by themselves. And we have four different ciders we're pairing with, um, which would be really fun to kind of taste. Really nice diversity of styles, kind of like this one as well. Um, we're going to kind of highlight the points. That my point I want to make here is that I don't think that cheese and cider end up getting pigeonholed into a lot of roles. People think of cider being uh, cheese ends up getting relegated either before the meal or after the meal and not really throughout the meal. And I think cider ends up getting pigeonholed into the, either like uh, the brief period of the fall right now, um, and or like before dinner, and not necessarily with food. So I think there's a really cool link between the two worlds here of 
of how we can talk about these two bever the beverage and the food as appreciate them and to have a greater appreciation of the two products and how they can work well together and work well throughout with the rest of the ingredients on the menu. And Team Emmy is also really great at pushing the limits of um, the cheese course because also last fall we had uh, a chocolate cake with raclette yeah. on it after having also oh. fondue and raclette and other like salad with cheese and multiple other courses. Um, and I had never had raclette on dessert before. That's amazing. But I wasn't mad. It was. It was uh It was. It was absurd. Dessert just sounded a lot better with cheese. I know. Well, because uh, like you have your cheese. Like if my preferred dessert is cheese. Yeah, me as well. But okay. also like. Chocolate cake. No, I'm, I'm not mad I was, about it at all. I was, I was good. Yeah. I think for I did have to lie down for like <laughs> 10 hours after eating all that like cheese. Like two days. Yeah. If I, I provide the chocolate cake. Uh, <laughs> well, there's going to be raclette. Yeah. Okay, I was going to say, you provide the raclette. We're going to have like the secret cake. menu of the HRN Gala. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. In and out style. Behind the scenes. Like. <laughs> I'll have one for dessert, raclette, animal style. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think with cheese too, like for in terms of like getting it into the food service arena, um, you know, it's always kind of the supporting role in a dish, and sometimes it needs to be the star of the show, like on for the, the, the raclette. Yeah, the raclette on the chocolate cake. For me, it's always the star. Um, and even to Dan's point earlier about um, cheese and cider kind of getting pigeonholed, like yeah, sometimes you know there's certain cheeses that I only have in the fall because it's kind of like a seasonal thing for me. Like Gruyere is my it's, it's a kind of like, you know, you put your sweaters on and you put your Gruyere, you know, on your plate. It's kind of like a thing. Cider, too. Like, you know, summertime, I'm drinking cocktails and beer. Wintertime, I get my dark reds and my cider. Um, so I think, you know, there's a time and a place for everything and to just kind of think about these things all year round and how they can be incorporated is, is really something we want to try and promote. Sarah, can we put you on the spot and ask you to come up with a dish for one of the cheeses on the table? Oh, whoa. Sorry, I was actually thinking that we just, we did an apple dinner last night or an autumn dinner where we did a cider pair pairing, and I was actually thinking more about the cheese than, uh, I mean, for me, cheese is just the numero uno. In fact, it's sort of disappointing because I think I actually have some dairy aversion, which is a huge Our blow. cheese is lactose-free. Well... This is good news for me. <laughs> <laughs> Things are about to get a lot more interesting here, guys. Uh, I, <laughs> I actually think I have to take it out of my diet, but this is excellent news um, for me. I mean, for me, I always want to highlight cheese. So, I like, I want to do the, like, I want cheese to be the star. So oh, my God, yay! <laughs> it's really my most, I, I love cheese is something that I say, like, constantly and always. And every time I have a piece of cheese, I'm like, oh. I can't take it out of my diet. I mean, I think I would want to pick a cheese. I mean, yes, you can put me on the spot, but the answer is, is I'm involved in the cheese already. Can I throw out an idea? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Maybe, I mean, I love that you're doing a vegan dish for the gala because, like, we need some vegan options. Well, that's what I was about to say. Yeah. There would be cheese in my dish if we... <laughs> but, what if, but what if we, like, do a tetamon garnish for people that want the cheese on sure. their risotto? I'm, I mean... Once again, guys, I am always down for cheese. Like, let, let, let me let me preface that <laughs> when anyone asks me what my favorite things to eat, I will tell you bread and cheese. And if one of them has to go, the bread goes. Like cheese, yes. like, cheese, like that. That is my jam. So yes, I am delighted to have tetamoin, uh, and I or any type of cheese, quite frankly, to finish it. Just trying to keep it vegan to keep it plant based, but right. Our, once again, our vegan guests will be very happy. I'm, I am delighted. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. Can we put? Garnish. Can we go back to making sure that the raclette stage? And the <laughs> yeah. Well, the raclette actually is microbial rennet, so <laughs> that could work for the vegans. I'm into it, mm. uh, and I mean, if you're next to us, then I, I can just keep filling up my individual milk? pumpkin. Oh, but dairy, with, yes, the milk. You know, dairy is a problem. Uh, <laughs> I, but I, I like the idea of having animals. the option of it. Uh, once again, if 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 the world was at my disposal, everybody would have the option for cheese. Always uh, add cheese is the the move, but uh, yeah, I would love it. Add cheese hashtag. Hashtag <laughs> add cheese. That's my new slogan. We've actually been dipping our tetamine like uh, curls, if you will, into like a little hibiscus dust to make it. Yes, Ooh. I've like, seen that. We've done yeah, that it's before. A little bit of like a people go crazy. Purple edge. If you yeah, it looks like cool. a carnation. It's very pretty. Um, yeah, I, I'm 100. percent We can add cheese. <laughs> Always right. add cheese. 
I, no problem. Uh, it will finish with your nutritional yeast as a cheese substitute mm. and actually some, you know, house-made vegan cheese. Once again, let's get that purple barley yeah. in and yeah. <laughs> see we, how we go. But We all lack restraint around here. Um, it's a, I have yeah. zero boundaries when it comes to cheese. Like, <laughs> I actually actively try not to keep cheese in my house because at 2 a.m., <laughs> Cheese will find me. And I will be like, I need an eight lindley snack. Let me just have a little piece of cheese. And one little piece of cheese turns us into all of the cheese. It's and a problem. Like, is so exciting. Just like, oh, it's just a little bit. Just, 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 just a, a scrape. Just one turn. No. Nope. Like, it's, it's so like, wafer turns. thin. That's exactly right. And then the next thing you know, it's down. Uh, this is why I actually try not to keep cheese in my house. I'm not going through a good moment right now. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, uh, I'm a cheese not longer, lover. Well, you've met the right. I, I, yeah. I was like, you're in trouble next now. to each other, guys. You're in trouble. Please rearrange the floor plan so we can be next to each other. One way that we can offer to help you out of this dark place is with a joke that Kat told okay, us I'm yesterday. Okay, I'm great. This is not related, us? but it is yeah, funny. It's, sort of, it's just better. to bring us out of the dark place. Uh, yeah, okay. Out of the dark place of my cheese hole, if you will. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, the joke is, what is a werewolf's favorite sauce? Howl, no, I don't. Howl You're on the right track. Howl and Days is good. Yeah, that's how I think that, that one wins. Uh, just wait. It's actually well, a bechamel because it starts with a roo. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it took me a real minute. To <laughs> it somehow works better when it's written down. You're like, oh, I see. I love it. Um, it just took me a minute. <laughs> okay, well, it's that time, guys. The joke's over, and it's time for trivia. Oh, no. No more joking around. No more jokes, guys. All right. The trivia this week was written by our amazing intern, HC, who happens to be a cheesemonger. Oh, Lord. And maker. And make cheesemaker is what I should have said. You're right. Um, So this trivia um, is going to be from the point. Each question is from the point of view of a cheese, and you have to tell me what cheese I am. Okay. All right. Number one of us has the advantage, right? Uh. <laughs> Number one, I'm a washed curd cheese. The color of the wax I'm wrapped in can tell you if I'm made of cow's milk or goat's milk. And it's one of the cheeses that we had here, but it's this cheese is a wild card. A wax? Mm-hmm. Is it a Gouda? It's a yeah, Gouda. That's what I was going to say. Uh, it's got to be Gouda. This Gouda has, like, broken that mold. Pun intended. <laughs> that's a Gouda one. Yeah, thank oh. you. Oh, that's a, that's a rough one. Sorry. So I guess <laughs> typically orange and yellow waxes mean cow cheese, and white and blue waxes mean goat cheese. Goat, yes. Yeah. Whoa. Okay. Yep. Huh. okay. The more you know. I'm a cheese enthusiast, but this helps me. Um, <laughs> All right, next blue. one is I'm I'm made by letting curds knit back together at the bottom of the cauldron, scooped out and hung to drain before being pressed into wheels. The wheels are then soaked in brine for 24 hours before aging. Oh. That can be a lot of things. Cheddar? Uh, Cheddar? No. I was going to think more along the lines of like a ricotta salata, but I don't know if that's right. That's close. When it says hung, I think of like, isn't it Cacio Cavallo that has the... The scarmozza? Scarmozza, yeah. yeah. In Italian, my family is scarmozza. You're all very close to the answer. Is it an Italian cheese? But that's not the right answer. Is it Fontina? Yes. It's a parmesan. Hey, parmesan. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, next one. I date back from the year 879 CE. During aging, I'm poked with metal rods to make airways for mold growth. Blue. Is it a rock fart? Close. Did he say it? Rock fart? No. I mean... Is it a blue uh, cheese? Uh, it is. It sounds yeah. like it. Oh, still, uh, Stilton? No. I feel you guys got it. It's a gorgonzola. Gorgonzola. Well, that's Italian, yeah. Yeah. Gorgonzola, that's a specific time. Yeah. Blue cheese. We're really close. You're there. You're there. Solid A minus, maybe, though. All right, next one. Not a cheesemonger. I'm a cheese with many imitators, but if you're in the U.S., you have likely never tasted the real AOC version of me because I'm a raw milk cheese aged only three weeks. Oh, wait. I have an idea. (laughs) Go for it. Is it Robiola? No. Oh. It's French. Oh, I probably messed up. I just got hung up on the Italian cheeses. Like, a camembert? Yes. That's what I was thinking. Excellent. 
Last one. I'm a fresh cheese that dates back to 6,000 BCE. I am most often made using lemon juice as the acidifier. Ricotta. Yeah, ricotta. No. What? Mozzarella. Different country. Oh. Feta cheese? Nope. Acidifier. Think, um, uh, think Does that even count? Sag paneer. I gave you the answer. Oh, paneer. Um, paneer. paneer. <laughs> I was like, that's the answer. That's okay, though. That was a giveaway. It's a great cheese. It yeah. is a great Those cheese. are all great cheeses. Yeah. You can't pick a favorite. It's really hard to have a bad cheese. That's not true. <laughs> but nonetheless, cheese enthusiast. Guys, but it, I would still eat the bad cheese. You won trivia. Yay! Oh. We win. I thought we got a... <laughs> yeah, that's a C plus. <laughs> a B? A you cheese plus. A B. <laughs> C for cheese. This class is pass fail. Cheese. <laughs> um, well, that was great. Thank you all for playing. Thank you all for being here and for eating cheese and drinking cider with us. Thank you for the cheese and the cider. You're welcome. Yum. Can't wait to have more of it at the gala. I was about to say, come to the gala. I think we should reiterate that the tickets for the gala are at heritageradionetwork.org slash gala. G-A-L-A. Come eat cheese with us. Welcoming all pumpkin hollowers. Yes. <laughs> Call if us. If you have excellent vegetable butchery right. skills, please send us an email at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Bring your own melon baller and line up. Uh. <laughs> B-Y-O-M-B. Yeah. <laughs> the thing yeah that's what you do now um thank you so much to our guests sarah allison dan amy thank you to our engineer amanda you're very welcome whoop, whoop, whoop. thank you to our guests in studio ruby and remember your name ella, ella. ruby and ella Yay. thanks yeah, to hannah to katie thank you kat thank you We'll be back sometime. I don't know if we're back next week. I, we I honestly can't tell I, you. I think, like, chances are we'll be back next week with another episode <laughs> of Nature and Happy Hour. But there won't be cheese. There might be. Oh, wait. Yeah, I think we are. I'm going to leave you enough so you'll have... Oh, <laughs> well, that's cheese. For you oh, there. Yeah. Our guest okay. next week is cheese. Yes. <laughs> um, thanks so much for listening to HR and Happy Hour. We will see you soon. Bye. Bye. This program is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.